Okay, here we are. We're, we're jumping back in. We've been in chapter two. Last week we were in chapter two. And the thing that's really interesting, especially when we do a character study, which is kind of what we've been doing here. We've been looking at the character of Nehemiah, putting him under the microscope of the Bible and saying, okay, God, teach us from his life. And so these first few sermons, in a lot of ways, they are leadership lessons from the character of Nehemiah that we're gonna find Jesus and the word all in and throughout. In fact, for every leadership lesson I highlight here, I'm gonna add a proverb to go with it and to confirm it. And so I'm hopeful that you'll take some notes and you'll get something out of it. Last week, we looked at the first 10 verses of Nehemiah chapter two, and we found these six things that Nehemiah did that just set him apart as a leader. Number one, he had great character. Nehemiah was the same person on Tuesday as he was on Sunday, right? Reputation is what people think you are. Character is who you really are, right? John Wooden, the great coach, said that. Uh, he had great consistency, so he was the cupbearer to the king. He would eat and taste what was provided for the king, so he had to have character to be around the king to be trustworthy. He also was consistent. He showed up for his job on time. He put a smile on. He worked hard. He built trust. He was well-known amongst his peers. He had an honoring spirit. Every time we see him address King Artaxerxes, who believed different from Nehemiah, we always see Nehemiah lead with honor, lead with humility. He didn't lead from pride. He didn't lead harsh. He wasn't making fun of the king for believing something different or having a conviction that was different. In fact, he chose to honor him even throughout that. We saw him being passionate, right? Nehemiah was passionate about his city, passionate about his family, passionate about his history. Even though he was exiled to a city that was foreign, he still had a heart from where he came from, right? He was passionate about his God. So much so that he went to the king and he spoke this word of prayer. He said, he said king, would you grant me the ability to go back, to go on a mission trip to where I, where I grew up, to where, to where my fathers are buried and, and restore the wall for my God? Would you, would you pay for it? Would you give me letters? He was passionate about it. He had great faith. Come on, it takes faith to ask a king that. To say, hey, king, can I, like, can I get like a, a leave, like of absence? Can you write me a letter that sends me? And then can you also fund it? Requires faith. And then he was also prepared. One of the moments in, in last week's message in chapter two, verses one through 10, that I thought was super cool is the king looks back at Nehemiah and says, what's your request? And that made me think, if a, if a king asked me, if a president asked me, what's my request? Am I prepared? Do I have an answer? Or would I be like, um, let me get back to you on that. No, no, Nehemiah was prayed up. He was planned up. He was prepared up. And these are just some of the leadership traits about him that I feel like were just so admirable. If you got it, say, I got it. Come on, one more time. If you got it, say, I got it. Okay, we're gonna go into verse 11 and jump in here today, all right? So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, picking it up in verse 11. I'm a visual learner, right? Try to put yourself into the story, okay? Like if it's nighttime, try to visualize nighttime. If he says a wall, try to visualize a wall. Try to picture your, like, like whoa, there's Nehemiah. I'm there right now. I'm in this thing. Here we go. Verse 11. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, and I and a few men with me, and I told no one what God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate. That does not sound fun, the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Verse 14. Then I went on to the fountain gate, to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate. And so returned. Verse 16. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. 
and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Verse 19, somebody say, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> it's always got to be some haters. Come on. Haters are motivators. Y'all know. But, but when Samballat the Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite servant of Geshem, the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Verse 20, then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. The church said, amen. 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 So just a, a big chunk of scripture. We're gonna try to weave our way through it over the next several minutes and extract some more leadership principles that we can apply in our own lives. Um, the thing I, I, I wanna mention just before we do that is, is I really am hopeful that these sermons, these times together in worship, really, really, really do something in us that affects us who we are outside of this place. I think if we're not careful, one of the things that I would really struggle with, that I would really even dislike, I'll say that, is if you had the posture of, okay, I came to church, the worship was pretty cool, that was a cool moment, we had a cool prayer moment, we, the, the word of God was, was neat, I learned some stuff. It had nothing to do with my actual life, but it was a cool moment on Sunday. Can I just say, that picture is not what we're doing here. Like my prayer, my hope is that you'll be able to grab something from Nehemiah and apply it in your everyday life. Like there might be something on the outside of this message that on, on the way home you're thinking about, I gotta change something, I gotta apply something. I gotta do something, amen? Like last week, the title of my sermon was, do you guys remember? Just go for it. I talked about what it means to just go for it. And as I was preparing for this message here today, I wanna title this message, Just Go For It Part Two, all right? Come on. Just go for it part two. Super creative, I know. We're gonna get better. We're gonna build on where we came from. What has God put into your heart? God's put something into your heart. Here's my point. You may not say, okay, I need to move to go rebuild a physical wall somewhere. That was Nehemiah's calling. But what has God put into your heart? Maybe God has put something in your heart that you need to just go for it. I'm gonna give you some practical steps on what that could look like from his story. Like maybe what's in your heart is you need to go restore a relationship because there's a wall in your relationship. And you need to go, you need to intentionally go make that relationship right and it requires a step of faith. Just go for it. Maybe God's put some lyrics in your heart and a melody in your heart to, to, to write a song and put a song together. Can I just tell you? Write the song. Just go for it. Maybe God's put something in your heart. You know what? I need to start serving. I need to start attending. I need to start going to a group. You know what? I need to, I need to start a group. I need to just go for it. God's put a book in my heart. God's put a prayer in my heart. God's put somebody on my heart. I need to just go for it. My prayer is that these, these services at church, these messages, these sermons would not just be good check boxes. Did you go to church? Yeah, I went to church. I did that. Now let me go do something else. No, no, I pray that this would be so effective in our lives. We gotta do something with it. Amen? Like, don't use these sermons as weapons. Like, hey, Pastor Hyden said you better. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But maybe we can hold each other accountable. Like, man, hey, you know what? In the, in the most loving in leading way, we're getting better, amen? amen. what Craig Groeschel says, he says, everybody wins when the leader gets better. Here's what I wanna say. Everybody in this room is a leader. Just depends if you're a good leader or a bad leader. We all have some type of influence. We all have, we all have some, some level of leadership in our lives, somewhere, somehow, we have the ability to lead something. Maybe it's at your job, maybe it's in your house, maybe it's at your school, maybe it's in the lunchroom, maybe it's on your team, maybe it's in the locker room. There's leaders in this room. This, this church is filled with leaders. I wanna help you be the best leader, the best disciple, the best son, the best daughter, the best brother, the best sister, the best, what, you fill in the blank, just go for it. Like the worst thing you could do is get to your last day and say, I never went for it. I never went for it. I should have went for it. 
Just go for it. We see Nehemiah doing that here. So if, come on, one more time. If you're ready, say ready. ready. I'm going to give you some principles from this that I think can maybe help us on our just go for it journey. Verse 9 says, uh, verse 11 says, so I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Everybody say three days. Three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. Let me give you the first point. When you just go for it, first point, don't go alone. Don't go alone. I want to continue to encourage my brothers and my sisters and my new friends who I just met here today. Don't go alone. There is value in one another. There's value in community. There's value in the person sitting next to you. God has positioned you in a place where he's not calling you to do it alone. Like, like, hear me on that, because I think we live in this individualistic, I'm a go-getter, I'm Superman, I don't need help. I'm Superwoman, I don't need help. You need help. Let me just go ahead and discourage somebody just for a moment. I'll hopefully bring, you're not Superman. You're not Superwoman. This isn't Halloween. Jesus is. Right? You, you, you are a fellow struggler who is in need of a great Savior. Who has died on the cross, risen from the grave, filled you with the spirit of God, done everything, given you a whole book, a love letter to teach you and speak to you and instruct you and correct you and help you. You need him. Amen. amen. And we, we, when we get together, oh, we're powerful. When we're by ourselves, we're, we're limited. I love how Nehemiah, when he starts out here, let's look at the verse. He says, if I'm going to do this right now, he's got his letters. He's made his journey. He's now in Jerusalem. What a moment. He was there three days. One night, he says, you know what? I'm about to make a move. I and a few men with me. I love how Nehemiah said, I gotta get some people with me. I can't do this by myself. I wanna go far. Maybe you've heard this African proverb before. It goes like this. If you wanna go fast, go by yourself. If you wanna go far, go together. Nehemiah said, you know what? I'm not trying to make this a really fast trip. In fact, history tells us Nehemiah spent 12 years building this wall. This was not gonna just be a quick sprint to the finish line. Nehemiah said, I need to do this the right way. And I need, to, I need the right people with me. I need to get some people on my team. Let me just show this to you in the book of Proverbs. I read this yesterday, Proverbs chapter 18. In fact, two days ago, Proverbs 18, verse one. Whoever isolates himself, Seeks his own desire. Somebody say, don't be selfish. selfish. Whoever isolate, if you say, you know what? I got the spiritual gift of isolation. It ain't in there. Man, I, yeah. I, I, actually, what you been doing? I just been isolating. That's really uh, selfish of you, by the way. You seek your own desire and you break out against all sound judgment. Now, I, I get there's, there's times where you just need to just charge up, just you and the Lord, you just need to get by yourself for a minute, but you don't need to stay by yourself. In fact, 1 Peter 5 says that the enemy roars around like a lion, looking for someone to devour. If you study lions, you'll find that lions look for those who are by themselves to devour. The devil could be studying you, watching you, waiting for you to isolate. We tend to make the dumbest decisions when we're by ourselves. We tend to fall, the devil tip you into sin when you're by yourself. When you go and follow what God's put in your heart, let me just say it one more time. Somebody say, don't go alone. Don't go alone. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter four. I love verses that have 412 in it. Ecclesiastes 412 says, though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Uh, don't go alone, right? What, what Solomon's saying in Ecclesiastes, the two wisest books in the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, he's saying, check this out. If you're by yourself, somebody might get you. Somebody might prevail against you. But if it's you and a partner, you'll be able to withstand. In fact, if you got three, it's not gonna be quickly broken. You're gonna be able to do more damage for the kingdom of God in the right way if you go together. So I wanna just say to you, hey, friend, get in a group. Find some good people to walk with, right? Don't, don't just uh, try to warrior your way through. I don't need anybody. 
I'm bad all by myself. You are. You're bad. You're bad by yourself. It's prophecy right there. Yes, you're right. You need somebody. You need other people, right? You need a team. And so I want to encourage you with that. That's why I love charge group season. Would love to encourage you. We got 18 different groups. And uh, would encourage you to get in one. If you, right in the back, there's a little table. There's an iPad. You can just scroll and find the one that is right for you. You can click the QR code, whatever that may be. It was cool. I was just uh, talking to Danny about his coffee group that he did on uh, this, this past week on Tuesday. And then I saw another brother who just came, who came to that. And I was like, dude, let's go, bro. You know, and I just love the connection and community. Amen. We're getting better that way, right? The person, the, the word you need may come from the person that you meet with. You, don't go alone. All right, let's keep on looking. Look, look at the verse. Look at the verse, verse 2. Uh, in verse 11, it says, So I went to Jerusalem, was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. Second point, ready? Second point is this, be selective. Be selective. The thing I noticed about Nehemiah is it doesn't say, I went out and I took everyone with me. I had the whole city with me. I had everybody with me. The thing I love about this verse is it says, I had a few men with me. Let me define few. Some of y'all don't know what few means. All right, here we go. Here's what few means. It's an adjective. It means a small number. Used to emphasize how small a number is. The definition of few is used to emphasize how small a number is. Brothers and sisters, hear me. Don't go alone, but be selective. I find that Nehemiah, let's look at it, verse 11 I'm going to keep revisiting this because there's principle in it that's going to be helpful. I arose in the night, I and a few men. A, a word that's made to emphasize, there wasn't a lot of people here. It was just a few of us because, let me, tell, let me put it up, you need the right people with you. You don't need just anybody with you. You don't need everybody with you. I read this quote this past week. I heard it, and it, it really, it messed me up, all right? I've been processing it still, trying to figure it out. It comes from Jim Collins, who wrote a great book called Good to Great. He says, the right vision with the wrong people is irrelevant. That you could have the right vision, you have the wrong people, and it doesn't even matter. Nehemiah says, I got a vision. I got a wall to build. I got a city to restore. I don't have time to have the wrong people with me. I got to have the right people on my team making the right decisions, making the right moves. And right now, Nehemiah goes, there's only a few of them. I want to encourage you to check your circle. Check your crew. If nobody's in it, that's a bad start, right? Well, actually, that could be a good start. Now you can start, start, start. You got to build it, right? Don't go alone. You're not wise enough. You're not sharp enough. You need some help. Plans succeed through the help of counsel, right? But be selective in who is on your team, amen? Be selective on who's on your team. Here's how you can be selective. Does this person help me get better or help me get worse? I was reading also in the Proverbs. Come on, the Proverbs is so fresh for us here today. Let me show it to you out of Proverbs chapter uh, 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Did you catch it? Yeah. But the companion of fools, promise, will suffer harm. In other words, translate it, if you're hanging around with foolish people, you're going to do foolish things. If you're hanging around with people that have wisdom, you're going to get wise. Look at the people in your life. Am I getting wiser or am I getting dumber? Am I making wiser decisions than I did in 2021 or am I making more foolish decisions than I did in 2021? God wants you to grow in wisdom. Wisdom is taking the knowledge you have and knowing how to apply it. If you walk with winners, you'll start winning. Oh man, do I, should I do it? If you walk with losers, you're going to be losing, all right? Don't tell me that I called you a loser. I did not say that, okay? I did not single anybody out. I'm just saying, if you're making, if you're a companion, hey, check out all my compadres. Check out all my, all my companions. Bunch of fools. <laughs> That's why I keep struggling. John Maxwell says, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Let me see, let me see who you're rolling with. 
I can't roll with you. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be mean. But you do have to be wise. I want to encourage you, right? You don't need everybody. You need somebody. You need the right people. We see this in Nehemiah. He says, I just need a few. I just need a few people to get the job done, and we can do it. I love Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Right? Solomon's saying this. Hey, if I got too many people in the room, we don't get anything done. If I got so many opinions coming at me, I get overwhelmed. If I got so much counsel, hey, you should do this, Hyde. No, you should do this, Hyde. No, I think you should stop doing this, Hyde. No, I think you should start doing this, Hyde. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I just need the right people, amen? Right, Nehemiah goes, okay, we gotta get the people that are on board, who love me, but are not impressed with me, who will be truthful with me, but not be a gossip about me, right? I would even say this, pray for those people. You might not have those people in your life right now. Start praying for them. Say, Lord, I need you to surround me with the right people. You know what? If you want the right people, start being the right person. If you say, you know what, okay, I, I struggle with these type of people. Let me make sure I'm not one of those type of people. You tend to attract who you are. So fools love pain. Maybe there's something weird about that. I don't know. Maybe it's me, right? Let me grow in wisdom, amen? I don't need everybody. I need somebody. Let me give you one more verse. Everybody say one more. Hopefully this is translatable from the oldest person in the room to the youngest person in the room. Let me show you 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Here's what I want you to do. This is going to be uncomfortable, but sometimes we do things uncomfortable at church, all right? Here we go. Unless it's weird, then don't do it. I want you to touch the person's shoulder. I want you to tap them. And now I want you to speak this word to them. Say, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Tell them, say, don't be deceived. Bad company, Bad company. ruins good morals. Come on, just talk to them about it. Just talk to them for five second talking break. Bad company ruins good morals. All right, y'all got the, you, you, all right, come on, come on back. Come on back, we, we back in, we back in on the chat. All right, don't, don't click off the sermon, right? Stay with me here. Don't be deceived. The Holy Spirit, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, is trying to get you to not be deceived. Nobody likes being deceived. Don't be deceived. Bad company. If you've got the wrong company in your life, it's going to ruin good morals. Right? Bad company. I'm, I'm going to add one 2022 contextualization. Bad follows. Maybe you've got to unfollow some folks. Unfollow some pages. Unfollow some different X, Y, and Zs so that it doesn't ruin what God's doing in you. God's trying to put inputs, some, some morals in you, some convictions in you, some boundaries in you, some scriptures in you. You know, you could have all of that, be in the wrong company, and be powerless. The power of community. Jesus modeled this, didn't he? Right? Jesus is the ultimate leader. What does he do before he starts his public ministry? I know that he prays. I, 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 yes, he does. Nothing less than prayer, all right? We should always communicate that first. Nick, you are absolutely correct because he prays for the right community. Jesus, right, Mark chapter three, he spends all night in prayer and then after he, the morning comes, he's been praying, he goes, Peter, I'm selecting you. Andrew, I'm selecting you. Philip, I'm selecting you. Bartholomew, shout out to Bart, I'm selecting you. Thaddeus, some of the disciples don't always get mentioned, I'm selecting you. John and James, the th sons of thunder, I'm selecting. Jesus could have picked anybody, right? He's selective. So I wanna encourage you just with that principle. Number one, don't go alone. Number two, be selective. Who's gonna help you accomplish your vision? Who's gonna help you just go for it? Who's gonna text you and say, yo, how come you're not going for it? Come up, let's do it. Come on, let's do it together. It, 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 ask somebody, be like, hey, 
can I select you? And then be able to say like, you know, I don't know. When it comes to looking for a potential dating spouse relationship, be selective. You don't need to date everybody. Can I get an amen from somebody? You need to date everybody. Oh, I just got to see about all my options. That's a bad way to go about it. No, negative. Don't be deceived. This culture will deceive you. This culture will tell you all types of lies to deceive. You do need to live with that person before y'all get married. You got to test it out. No, you don't. No, you don't. Don't be deceived. That's bad company. It's going to ruin your morals. And then you're going to start deceiving other people. Well, you know, when you ever you start have to justify things, nah, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, no, man, you're not the right one for me. Amen. Can't be deceived. I'm, I'm, I'm on a mission. I'm going for it. All right? Let's look back at the verse. Nehemiah chapter 2. Is this helpful for anybody? Yeah. Helpful for me. Uh, then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what God had put, my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. Let me give you the third point. Not everyone has to know. Not everyone has to know everything that God has put in your heart. Come on, hey, we don't have to put everything on the story, right? I can't tell you how many people are getting themselves in trouble by accidentally posting stuff right now. Oh, man, I didn't know that it was going to get posted. You posted it. I mean, it was supposed to only be for my friends. Get you some new friends. I mean, let me even say this in a very, like, sobering way. Very sobering way. I'm going to say this in a sad way. Just amazing. I saw a recent statistic of how many people died in 2021 while taking a selfie. I'm on the cliff. I'm off the cliff. Like, the stories are tragic. Like, I'm not saying that to be funny. What I'm saying is, hey, maybe just be in the moment. Like, don't miss the moment with your kid by trying to take the story of the kid. It's just a word for me, right? Like, don't, don't miss the, the moment of the preaching because you know, I don't, we, I, we have to tell everybody everything. Hey, this is what I ate today for breakfast. This is what I eat. I'm eating for lunch. Can I just, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. I'm going to put a Band-Aid on it. Most people don't care. I'm saying this, I'm, this is therapy for me right now because I'm growing. There would be seasons in my life where I'm like, okay, ooh, I got to post it. No, you don't. You work three hours on a post and get three likes. You could have been doing something more productive. Not everybody needs to know everything that God has put in your heart. Let, let me go ahead and show it to you from Jesus' brother James. James says, know this. Come on, say, say know, this. know this. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters at Walk Church. Know this. Let every person. Oh, I love the language. Every person. Sometimes we deceive ourselves. We think, oh, this is a good point for this person next to me. No, this is for you. Every person. Every person is all of us, right? Let every person be quick to hear. Ooh, I can't wait to hear you. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. I've realized when you're slow to speak, you'll be slow to anger. They work together. We need to be really great listeners. Nobody loves somebody who's a big mouth, right? Nobody loves being, ooh, I really want to invite the person who has to just tell us everything. Just jump right in, throw up. Whoa, time out. Slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I love this verse right here. You know, friend, Let's be, let's be professional hearers, especially when people are struggling, going through something, amen? You know, going through a challenging time, having a difficult time. Like, I think a lot of times people just want you to listen. Be quick to hear. Ooh, I want to hear, but slow to speak. This is something that Nehemiah has done well, in, in, especially in this text, right? He's, he's modeling this. Nehemiah has what the Proverbs call a cool spirit. I love that right there. Let me show it to you in Proverbs. Proverbs 17, verse 27, 28. Here we go. This is going to help somebody. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, 
He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Check this out. You could get wise and intelligent points just by not saying anything. Is that crazy? Like, you could even deceive people that you might actually have, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're wise. Now, of course, I know that you guys are, but I'm saying you, you could actually, like, demonstrate, like, ooh, that person's probably smart. Why? They just didn't say anything. They were wise enough not to speak. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. That's bizarre right there. When he closes his lips, whoever restrains, sometimes you got to restrain your words. There's knowledge in that. I think that Nehemiah really was, was sharp with this because, I mean, he tells us right here, right? Like he's, he's, he's being slow to speak. He's being slow to post. When in doubt, leave it out. Check your heart before you start. Right? All of these ideas that I think Nehemiah is demonstrating. Like, look, look at chapter two, verse 11 with me one more time. Verse 12, then I arose in the night. I have few men with me and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. The thing I think that's so wild about that is that Nehemiah has not even told his crew yet what he's doing. Like, he's got the right people with him on the journey. I wonder if he's like, hey, guys, so tonight, I want y'all to join me downtown Jerusalem. Okay. I could just, I like envision Nehemiah walking, like measuring this wall that's built, burned down. He's like, hmm, what type of bricks do you guys think this is? They're like, I don't know. Why are we here? It's like, hmm, I'm inspecting this wall. What are you doing? Nehemiah's like, yo, I'm, I'm guarding my vision. It, I'm not ready to let it out yet. Now, hey, spoiler alert, right? Next week on, just go for it. <laughs> uh, Nehemiah's going to start talking. But he's wise about it, right? I, I love how he, he keeps this vision, that, that this, this God vision in his heart until he's ready to talk about it. He doesn't need everybody to speak into it yet. This vision is powerful. You know what? I, I even see that we see this modeled in the life of Jesus. Like if you look at Jesus' life, there's these moments all throughout the Gospels that are very intriguing to me. Maybe they've been intriguing to you. Have you ever noticed this? Jesus will literally heal a man with leprosy. Leprosy. Leprosy is something that would kill you, eat up all your skin, and you had to announce to people that were 20 feet away, don't come near me. I have leprosy. It's a bad disease, right? Jesus would heal somebody and say, don't tell nobody. How do you do that? Jesus would come up to somebody who, had a, who was blind for all of their life, heal their eyes, and then say, oh, yeah, don't tell nobody. <laughs> Dang! That's hard to do, right? Jesus is modeling, hey, look, I don't, I don't need everybody knowing what I'm doing yet. There's going to be a time and a place. We're in the time and place where we need to be telling about what Jesus did. But be, be careful to not give everything away to everyone too quick. Like one thing I, I noticed about Jesus in Mark chapter 1. Just read Mark chapter 1. We'll see Jesus do this, right? He heals this man with leprosy. He tells this man with leprosy who was now healed. He goes, all right, listen, I healed you. I love you. But I don't need you to go tell anybody what just happened yet. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. Point number one, listen to Jesus and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. Jesus is like, I'm trying to go to the next town. But was out in the desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Jesus is like, yo, 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 listen, bro, I want to heal you. I want to do big things in your life. But I need you to just listen. Don't go tell everyone yet because it's still Mark chapter one. I got 16 more chapters. I can't have every quarter following me yet. We can't go anywhere. Jesus is like, I'm trying to go to Samaria. I got an appointment with a woman at the well. I don't need 100 people with me. I just need to minister to her with the team and try to help her in her struggle. I don't need the wrong people. I need the right people. And and when you have them, you, you don't have to tell everybody everything. If you got to say, I got it. Come on, let's keep working through this passage. Nehemiah chapter 2, going beyond verse 12. The text says that there was no animal with me 
but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley. When I read this verse right here, the second part of verse 14, and the first part of verse 15, I realized there's a principle in there. Let me give it to you. Be open to a different way. Be open to a different way. Here's my point. When God's given you a direction, God's given you an assignment, it's specific, it's intentional, it's detailed, it's for you. Don't live off somebody else's faith. Don't live off somebody else's direction. Can I just say this? Just because God did it one way here doesn't mean he's gonna do it the same way for you. Be open to a different way. Like, hey, it would, I'm just gonna tell you, it would be foolish of you to get in a boat, go to Galilee and say, Peter did it. That was a time and a moment where Jesus decided to walk on water. He asked Peter to walk on water. He didn't ask you to walk on water. Don't compare callings. Like I live in the church planting world. I also serve on an amazing organization called Send Network as the Las Vegas City Missionary. And church planters oftentimes say, hey, how do you you guys do this? Hey, look, I can give you story. I can tell you what God has done in the life of our church, but he might wanna do something completely different in yours. Strategy is up to him, right? One part in the Bible, Jeremiah's preaching, repentance, believe, come to know the Lord, turn from sin. Jeremiah's got like two disciples. Jonah shows up in Nineveh, repent. Everybody falls down on their face, tears their clothes. Why did it work for Jonah and not for Jeremiah? I don't know. God can do whatever he wants in whatever space and season he wants, right? Be open to a different way. God might want to do something different in your story that he did with somebody else. I mean, look at this verse with me one more time. I love what we can learn from Nehemiah. He's on his journey. He's inspecting. He's checking out the wall. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. So Nehemiah gets there. I don't know if he's on a horse or a donkey. He's like, we ain't gonna fit. I'm so glad that Nehemiah didn't make an excuse and say, well, let's go home. Let me go back to the king in Babylonia and give up on my God dream. Instead, you need a then moment. Everybody say then. Then. Come on, give me a then. then. Then I went a different direction. Then I went up in the night by the valley. Maybe God's sending you through the valley. Maybe God's saying, you know what? I got a different direction for you. You thought it was gonna be this way. It wasn't. I just wanted to teach you something there. Let me send you a different direction. Come on, don't give up on the dream just because you have a hurdle. Don't give up on the God dream just because you have a quick moment that turns you in a detour to a different direction. How do you know God didn't set that up? Make that size just enough so you couldn't pass so you have to go this direction because God's got something better for you on the other side. It's gonna require faith to turn your animal and say, I really, I calculated it. I calculated it. I know if we go through the fountain gate, then we'll get to where we need to go. But you know what? My animal's not gonna make me through. Dang. Let me just go around it. <laughs> Let me just find another. Let me put a new GPS in. What's the direction? Let me find a new way. Hey, be open to a different way. Can I just say that? Yeah. If, if everything works out smooth and you end up in, into your destination, you, maybe you write the book, write the song, you, you start the, the business, you start the company. Come on, entrepreneurs, you, you do something, you start a group. If it all goes great, praise God, it all goes great. But what if God takes you a different way? Hey, I, I thought it was gonna be this way. I went for it, but it ended up being a different way. Be open to that is all I'm saying. One of the, my favorite characters in the Bible is the Apostle Paul, who actually starts out as the sinful man Saul. In the book of Acts, we find the church in action. We see the church birth. Jesus hangs out with the church for 40 days. Then he ascends into heaven triumphantly and he passes the baton to the local church to which we still are in today. And the church is out making disciples, preaching the gospel, having prayer meetings. And they come across a persecutor of the church named Saul, right? Saul ends up becoming radically converted. A guy goes and prays for him and 
Saul's eyes are opened physically and spiritually. He becomes a disciple of the Lord Jesus and he has a missionary calling on his life to plant churches, one of which is the church in Corinth. We read a verse from that. The church in Galatia, the church in Colossae. All those books in the New Testament are letters that Paul wrote to churches, at least the shuns, the Galatians, Colossians, right? He wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. But one thing that's profound about the Apostle Paul that I've always been intrigued by is while Paul's on this journey of starting churches, he, he had this big, passionate heart for Asia. He wanted to take the gospel to specific cities in Asia. So he planted a church in Galatia. He planted a church in Ephesus. He started a big riot there even, which is not a good strategy for church planning. Like You don't need to start a riot in the city, but Paul did that. Shout out to Paul. He goes in all these different places and he wants to go to Asia, but here's what happens. He's on his way to Asia and the Holy Spirit confronts Paul and says, I'm not calling you to go there. And Paul's like, I thought I'm supposed, I'm supposed to go everywhere. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, I'm calling you somewhere. There'll be some other people that make it to Asia, but I'm calling you to go here. And I'm so grateful that the Apostle Paul had the sensitivity of the Spirit to a different way. Right, we find in Acts chapter 16, if we got that verse, Acts chapter 16, Verse six, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I don't know why the Holy Spirit, we don't know why the Holy Spirit forbid them from doing that. In fact, there's two other times, three different times in the, in the book of Acts, Paul tries to get to Asia. The Holy Spirit stops him every single time. We'll have to ask the Holy Spirit in heaven, why'd you keep stopping Paul from Asia? I'm grateful that Paul was open to a different way, amen? One of my favorite verses in the book of Jeremiah talks about the Lord says, sing to me a new song. You know? Like, I love the old school hymns, the rich theology of the old hymns. But I believe that God says, I know those are great, but can you sing to me a new song? Because I'm creative. I love to give you a new song. I love to produce a new song to you. I, I love to give you a new melody, a new phrase, a new thought. Never outside of the Bible, but always in the context. Come on, this book is big, amen? There's a lot in there to jump into and swim in. God says, I want to hear something new. I want to hear something new. Be creative. Be open to a different way. You might not go this way. You might have to go this way. You might have to go this way. Be open. Just because God moved one way in, in somebody's life doesn't mean he has to move that way in your life. And hey, that is okay, isn't it? Don't allow a, a hurdle to discourage you. And, and, and lastly, I'll say before I move into our final point, is don't make excuses when hurdles come. I think, I think we live in a justification culture, right? We, we love to justify why we don't do things. Oh, I didn't have enough money. Oh, I don't, you know, I wasn't feeling good. Oh, you know... I've even seen husbands and wives do this. They, they deceive each other like they're right. Like one may be like, have this terrible idea. And then the, the spouse is like, yeah, I don't wanna offend you, so your idea is great. And then they deceive each other. And, and, and they make excuses. I just wanna encourage you, church. Hear me. Don't make excuses for your God dream. Find a different way. Oh, you know what? We just, we, we, don't, we don't give because we're trying to buy a house. That's not the way to buy a house. It's not. We, you know, I don't really lift my hand in worship because my shoulder's a little sore. I've been working out. It's like, uh, find a different way. <laughs> you know, like, let's, let's stop with the excuses and just go for it. Does that make sense? All right, let me move into our last point. Hey, Amen. that spoke to Japper, all right? Thanks, bro. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I, don't let me have an excuse. I want to go for it. Let me move into the final point. Let, let, let's go ahead and look at Nehemiah chapter 2. These last, starting in verse 18. So Nehemiah, right, he's now making these moves. He's, he went a different way. He's with his few people. And he tells the crew that he's with. He goes, I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. I love that phrase. Nehemiah says, you know what? Here's what I got. Here, here's my vision. It's a God vision. Whenever you have to talk more about yourself than about what God has told you to do, you might be moving by yourself, not by faith. Right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word. 
Nehemiah says, I'm just trying to do what God told me to do. The hand of my God had been upon me for good. So much so that the, the words of the king had spoken to me. They said, let us rise and build. They got motivated by Nehemiah's speech. So they strengthened their hands. It's going to take some work, amen? To do whatever God's put in your heart, it's going to take some work. They strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sam bowed the Horonite, the Tobiah, the Ammonite servant, and Geshem, the Arab, heard it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this? Let me go to that next verse. If we got it. The thing that you are doing. Are you rebelling against the king? Which would be a bogus accusation because of all the favor that the king had already shown them from where they had come from. Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. The last point that I see, and there's so many other sub points we could tackle, but just this last one I wanna hit on and we'll be done, is we, we need to help each other and help our own hearts to, to look backwards to God and to look forward to God. The thing I notice about Nehemiah's two talking points here. Number one, Nehemiah talks about, hey, let me tell you all that God's done in my past. Number two, let me tell you about all God's gonna do in my future. Nehemiah had a big God theology, a big God view that, you know what? I, I'm, I'm aware of my Bible. For example, you know, once upon a time, God actually opened up the sea and led Moses and a million people through it and closed it on the enemy. You know, once upon a time, there was this guy uh, named Joshua, and he led a group of people. They walked around the walls of Jericho seven times, and they blew trumpets. It was super weird, but then the wall fell down. Yeah. I know God's got me. You know, there was this time where Abraham was asked to even sacrifice his son. He went all the way up to the mountain. He was ready to sacrifice his son, and then he saw a ram, and he said, God provided the sacrifice. I know God's gonna provide for me. There was this, there was this cat named uh, Elijah, and he was so depressed that he was stopped eating. He went inside of a cave, and he said, I'm just gonna go in this cave and die. And God used ravens to bring Elijah some cake. Why won't God take care of me? Right? You, you got to preach that to your heart. When you just go for it, you got to remind, you got to point people in your life backwards. Did you, let me just, example, exercise moment. If you want, you don't have to, but just give me by show of hands if God's been good to you. Come on, right? He has been good to you. All right, I loved it. I'm glad I'm around people who have a spirit of gratitude. If God doesn't do a single thing more for you, he's probably done enough, Amen. Just with his blood, his resurrection, the fact that he calls us his own, the fact that he would adopt us into his family through his blood, by his death, his resurrection, his atonement, right? The fact that he calls you his, he's loved you with an everlasting love. That alone is enough before anything material. And that then he would give you a dream, a calling, kids, a vision, a, a apartment, I don't know, a job, a profession, a skill, a talent. God, you gave me a talent. A restaurant. I don't, God's, God's been good, amen? amen. He's, he's, given you, for, he's given you some money to steward. A phone to use. Legs to walk. Eyes to see. A mind that thinks. Come on, when's the last time you praise God for your lungs, amen? I'm breathing, Lord. God has been, point people backwards. You know what, look. You might not understand it all, but my God has done great things for me. He's, his hand has been good to me. And, and, and I'm believing for this is This is part of our story at Walk Church. I, mean, I, I can remember driving, prayer driving, going around the city, trying to find a place that would let us meet as a church. We had outgrown every house, living room, apartment, uh, we had outgrown coffee shops and things like that. We had a lot of little kids starting to run around. We needed a space. And I was just getting turned down after turned down after turned down from every organization or place. Because people have a bad reputation for church. We don't work with churches. Churches don't pay on time. Churches pull the God card on you and try to make you feel bad. Churches leave it messier than when they found it. One person said, church is a parasite. They just take from you. I was like, dang. Dang. 
Sorry, my bad. I know, it's, it's unfortunate. I'm like, I'm, I'm apologizing for other churches. They didn't mean it. I don't know who they were. Can you work with us? No, bye. <laughs> Dang. This is, this is not good. I remember driving down the street, struggling. Lord, I know that you, I know you've provided in the past. I know you've called us to it. And that's when God gave me this idea to go back to my old middle school, the one that I grew up 20 years ago, was in this same cafeteria. Go up in this space. Miss Roxanne, who's still the lead custodian here, she sees me. She says, hey, what are you doing here? I talked to her about our church. She says, let me show you around. And I said, yes. We started out in the theater. And then I said, I'm open to a different way. We moved into the cafeteria. Come on, I'm open to a different way. Whatever you want to do, God, let's do it. We started out in the hallways of the school because they wouldn't let us use the classroom. We started praying for teachers. Teachers then initiated, said, hey, you want to use our classrooms? We were able to use the different classrooms. We started driving by land, started praying over the rocks, praying over the gates, putting wristbands on the fence. God, we're open, God. God said, buy it, do it. We're on this journey of faith, amen? The good hand of God has been upon us. Through COVID, through pandemic, through... Mass or no mass, vaccine, whatever, through political stuff, we're, we're focused on him. We're, we're focused on God. I'm going to point you backwards to God. I'm going to encourage you to look forward to God. I love this quote, and I'm done, and worship can, can take, us, take us home. But um, I love this quote from the famous missionary, William Carey. William Carey took the gospel to China. He, he was a missionary, he was an evangelist, and I love what Kerry says. He says, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. That, that was a word that changed my life as a church planter. That, you know what, because God has been so faithful and so good, I can expect him to do it again. Expect great things from God. So, therefore, attempt great things for God. Somebody say, just go for it. Just go for it. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God. Help us to go for it. Whatever it is, whatever it is, this God dream, this business, this relationship that needs to be healed, this relationship that needs to start, just go for it. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Just go for it. I really sense today somebody needs to surrender their life to Jesus. Just go for it. I just believe somebody here today has been fighting against God. Stop fighting, just surrender. Just go for it. Holy Spirit, strengthen our hands. Strengthen our mind and heart. God, I pray if there's somebody online or in this room right now that needs to get saved, I pray this would be the moment where they surrender their life to you, Jesus. Bow at your feet with a posture of faith and say, Jesus, I'm yours. Save me. Change me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Ghost. I turn to you. I turn away from my sins. I turn away from my pride. I turn away from myself. I turn to you, God. I turn with faith and I believe for great things ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, can we praise God for that?